curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're in Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're in Sales podcast. The So You're in Sales podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy, let us show you how. Now, on with the show. So if you've been listening to this show for a while, you will recognize today's guest, Kirby Hossaman, who's been on the show a few times as a guest, but today... Kirby turns the table and he interviews me about the book that I published and released this week, Red Goldfish Promo Edition, How Promotional Products Increase Impact by Leveraging Purpose. So Kirby came on and wanted to get behind the scenes with the book, the reasons why I wrote it and why you as my listener would want to buy this book and have it be something that you would use for yourself for your own business. I think it was an interesting exercise, but it was definitely an interesting interview. Give it a listen. Well, hey, Roger. I am super excited, super flattered, super honored to... I'm super. uh, Just really, really excited to be here with you today. And I'm, I'm really excited for you, man. I know we've talked about this separately and... I am fired up to talk about Red Goldfish, the uh, promo edition. So are you ready for me to fire some questions at you? Okay. <laughs> That's a good start. Okay. So let's let's just start at the beginning. Okay. So I, I think, you know, we, we can dig into some of the meat of it, but just from the beginning, what is Red Goldfish, the promo edition? Tell us about the book. I don't know if you know this. I know you do. I'm guessing people <laughs> are going to identify with the fact that it's really hard to sell stuff right now. Mm, yeah. It's a really challenging environment to try to even approach someone in the traditional way that maybe you and I and every other person who's involved in being in sales has done up until this point. Well, I've seen what used to be seen as an intrusion when someone's trying to prospect has become a moment of hostility now. Mm. If you're so insensitive that you don't take into consideration the fact that someone might be dealing with some stuff when you're trying to do your job, which we all still have to do our job, have to try to sell things, but somebody's mom is sick and they're worried that she's going to die. 
Mm. probably don't want to get a cold call. Right. So Red Goldfish is my good friend Stan Phelps has authored this entire franchise of books around the notion of being able to make small changes within your company to make a big impact. He's written a bunch of different colors. They're each in uh, related to a different discipline within uh, a company. Mm-hmm. So there's a customer service version. There's a book that talks about the six generations of employees that exist now within most businesses and how to manage all of that stuff. But Red was really focused on purpose as a differentiator. When I read that one, it really spoke to me. It, that book dates back, you know, I think I've read that five years ago. Right. So it wasn't as if this just happened, you know, I read the book, I called Stan and said, hey, let's do a promo edition. That's not how it worked out. Right. It was more of a an evolution than a revolution. The more we did the investigation that we were doing as a result of the work that we do at PromoCares, what we came to realize was there are a number of businesses in the promotional marketing industry that are using purpose as a differentiator. When Stan and I were talking about the work that we were doing at PromoCares, Stan sort of offhandedly mentioned to me that, hey, that sounds like a lot like Red Goldfish. I approached him and said, hey, like, yeah, it definitely is Red Goldfish. And would you be interested in us doing a longer form version of the content that we were creating for Promo Cares around all of these stories that we were unearthing around uh, businesses in our marketplace that are doing this kind of work? And so Long story short, here we are with a book now. Super cool. Just as I, I like, I'm curious. You know, you know, I've had the opportunity to write a book, uh, and I, I'm curious to know about that process. So I've never co-authored a book. So what was it like to sort of co-author a book, and what was it like to work with Stan? I'm so lucky. Trying to get a book out of you is a Herculean effort. How do you go about getting what you want to say out of you? And into something that other people can consume was just a stroke of luck on on my side because I don't need to try to create something from scratch when this guy's already established through 14, 16 books that he's done that there's a method, there's a strategy, there's a, you know, a, a way for you to be able to follow a blueprint that will result in a finished product. And I don't know that I would have been able to do it otherwise. And I can assure you it would not look like what it looks like today had I not had those guide guide rails in place that Stan was um, able to give us. And then, you know, for us, for him, Red Goldfish is already written. I was just taking the principle and applying it to our marketplace. So the wrapper was already in place. It was just a matter of me being able to imbue it with what came from our marketplace uh, to put in the book. I couldn't ask for a better collaborator a teacher, someone to, you know, sort of keep me where I needed to go. And the funny part was when we would have our interactions in the early part of what we were doing in the research, I kept trying to nudge him to tell him like, we've got enough. There's a book here. We've got enough. And he was like, dude, don't mess with the formula. Just do this. <laughs> just, just get your 200 examples yeah. and, and we'll look. And fortunately, I ended up getting almost 300 examples. So ample research was done in order to back up what it was that we're saying in the pages of the book. But yeah, no, it was, it was great to co-author. We'll see if I can get one out of me solo sometime in the future. (laughs) Right now, just knowing that I was able to have that was really awesome. Yeah, no, I I could totally see that. So one thing you said in, you've said two things that I kind of wanted to put together. So you mentioned that 
we're living in a weird time right now to be in sales, right? And so this is the So You're in Sales podcast, and that makes sense. But on the other side, you said, look, this red goldfish, this business with purpose concept has uh, existed for some time. What It almost feels like people are maybe more willing to hear the message right now. Do you, do you think that's true? I do. You know, nothing like 10 years of prosperity to hide a lot of things that maybe were going on under the surface. Mm-hmm. And now that apple cart has been completely toppled over and we're all sitting here sort of staring at the pile of apples in the road and trying to decide like, okay, so what does this mean now? <laughs> want to just gather them all up, put them back in the wagon and pretend like it's business as usual. I don't think that's the case. Right. And because of how confident you need to be in order to spend a dollar right now, you need to be confident in your decision-making in order to feel confident enough to write a check to someone. So for me, I think because of what's happened, that people are going to be a lot more interested in understanding who it is they're giving that dollar to yeah, and what's going to happen with that dollar once it's been given to those people. Because if I'm making an investment in you, Kirby, I want to feel good about the fact that I spent that money And what I've been trying to preach to people right now is you want to be seen as an investment and not an expense. Mm -hmm. So in order to be able to create that opportunity for people, you have to have something you can point to or point that person toward to give them the confidence to see you as that investment, as opposed to it just merely being an expense. You mentioned your research earlier. So uh, can you talk to me just a little bit? How how did you do this research? You said I have 200, 300 cases. Where where did those come from? Fortunately, we'd done a lot of research already for promo cares. So talk to me about promo cares real quick for those who don't know what that is. Yeah. So promo cares is a, there's a group of people within our industry that have upset stomach over the notion of us being what's called brand film. Mm -hmm. Essentially the idea of poorly executed marketing campaigns that have products that have company logos on them that don't really move the needle in any way and ultimately end up in garbage cans or in the waste stream as it were. So we set about in 2018 to try to highlight the stories of businesses within our marketplace that are using their companies as superpowers for social good. And it was in that process of documentation that I really um, got inspired to start Social Good Promotions, my own company in 2019. And then consequently, as a way of sort of extending what we've done at Promo Cares, we've had written pieces, but uh, the main vehicle that we use to tell the stories is the Promo Cares podcast that Carrie Cowden hosts. It's a twice monthly podcast where she brings on businesses from all sides of the transaction in our industry to talk about the good work that they do in the community um, that they serve. So in those podcasts, there are just hours and hours and hours and hours of inspiration. And so I was able to mine those podcasts and all of the other media sources that we have at our disposal in the promotional marketing industry to really look for stories like that. And What's been fun for me is in this time that we've been doing promo cares, the industry has become a little bit more in tune with these stories to the point where it's not as hard for me to find them as they may have been when we first started in 2018. So by being able to sort of use that as our filter, it was largely the basis of the research that became the book. 
Yeah, it's become more, um, you know, as you said, mainstream because I think people are recognizing it's more important. Um, so this might not be a fair question. So I apologize for putting you on the spot, but <laughs> well, but I'm just curious, like it, two, 300 examples, whatever it is. Are there any like real quickly off the top of your head, any that kind of stand out that you could say, hey, this is an example of of an organization that used this philosophy really well. Pick one. And I know it's like picking your favorite child. Just well, <laughs> no, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to give Stan and I are giving presentations on the book starting September 23rd. So we're in the process of writing said presentation at the moment. How you give a presentation is you have to sort of pick amongst your children and highlight yeah. them. So yeah, right, right. The reason why I hesitated, Kirby, is not because I'm picking amongst my favorite children. It's because what's really become obvious to me in this whole process is I'm going to say Sanmar. Right. And a lot of people might roll their eyes because they're our largest supplier in the industry. They are a $2 billion organization. You know, they're, they're this juggernaut. And yet I would tell you that it's their growth has been fueled by their willingness to sort of be the standard bearer for the rest of the industry. So their partnership with Allmade, which is a t-shirt manufacturer, it's like taking two really good and putting them together in Wonder Twin Powers Activate kind of thing <laughs> and making it so like it's just this enormously great story of a t-shirt that's manufactured in underserved areas of the world, Haiti, India, places where Honduras places where, you know, you just see abject poverty. The project brings really working wage jobs to those areas that has an impact on those communities. And then secondarily, the product is made from recycled PET. It happens to be the softest t-shirt you're ever going to wear. It washes like a dream. I have three-year-old Promo Cares t-shirts that are all made that look brand new. Yeah. So by taking the standard bearer for corporate social responsibility in our industry in Sanmar and marrying it with a product manufacturer who really is doing it for all the right reasons, it does kind of serve as the North Star. But that being said, there are a whole cottage industry of very small suppliers in our marketplace that are doing incredibly good work, packed with purpose, helping hands partners, these organizations that if you look behind the curtain of what they're doing, they are sourcing product from some of the most amazing places that when you dig in, you're just blown away by these social enterprises that are popping up all over the country that are designed specifically to give the underserved a a fighting chance at a good wage and a decent living. No, that's a great example. So I'm curious, and I've got several other questions, but before we get too far down the road, I want to, like, I'm, I'm a big uh, believer in, like, okay, cool. Let's say that someone's listening to this. They're an entrepreneur. They're in whatever industry. Uh-huh. Um, and they're like, I love the idea of being able to create a, a profit in my organization with per- and combine that with purpose. Sure. But where, where, where do I start? You t- like, Sam Mar is a big organization, they have the resources. How do I, as an individual, sort of get started? And, it, you know, just where's my, what's my first step? Largely depends on the size of your business. If you have employees, what we would tell you is if your organization cares about something, mm. that's a really great place to start. But most of the time, what we realize is that 
however the hierarchical structure of the business works, most of the time the, the chiefs have not sat down and asked the Indians, what is it that we care about? Mm-hmm. Because once you do, it serves as a rallying cry for the organization, for people to, to, to get together around a shared belief that then when you communicate that shared belief to the community, the people who also care about what you care about flock to you Mm. because they want to support the same thing that you're supporting. And by supporting your efforts, in turn, they're supporting the cause that you both care about. So if you can't do that, or if you don't have employees, it really is just important to start documenting what it is that you care about Mm. to the point where you can get to a place where you can think about, okay, now how do I build a bridge for my business to the cause that matters to us. And once you've done that, the rest of it has a way of just blossoming and taking off. Yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, really the, without making it too simple, but going, look, from a leadership perspective, the first step is identifying what it is you want to have an impact on. Yeah. And then reverse engineering that in ways that you can do it. Like I, I will tell you that, you know, when we as an organization, I, I would say we're inconsistent. We'll have spots where I feel like we really rock and roll around something. And then sometimes where we go in lulls and in that resonates with me because I feel like when we are working in the same direction, not only do we feel a sense of purpose, but it's also fun. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And give yourself a chance so, so people buy from people they know, like, and trust. Yes. Kirby and I espouse the same philosophy. But the beautiful thing about this discussion is you learn more about people when you're doing stuff that doesn't have to do with work. Yes. And by giving yourself the opportunity to do that, not only will you connect better with whatever cause it is that you want to get behind, your people will start to strengthen their own ties between and amongst each other because they realize that, oh, wow, we have this shared belief here that has nothing to do with money. It has to do with what we care about. And in that process, the organization has a way of strengthening and strengthening the, the weave of the culture of the organization gets stronger in the process of doing those kinds of things. I've witnessed it time and time and time again. So uh, just to ask, like, uh, I want to, because here's the thing. I think you and I are both believers in this, but I want to play the, the art of the cynic for just a moment, okay? Yeah, so uh, like, and I think part of the challenge that you run into is that, um, you know, my, what do they say? Marketers ruin everything, right? Like Gary Vaynerchuk says that, is that, I think some people will espouse the idea that they have a purpose in order to manipulate people. So what's sort of the, the way to um, sort of address that idea that, look, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I'm doing good for good sake. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not trying to, you know, put myself up on a pedestal. Um, what's sort of your, I mean, I have an opinion about that, but I'm curious to know your sort of take when you hear something like that. So there's a chapter in the book that's called campaign, a commitment, not campaign. Hmm. And basically what I say in there is try to half-ass it and you are going to be in such trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, let's, let's back up the discussion to the point where we said there's hostility in the marketplace right now. 
Yeah. So let yourself try to go down this path inauthentically, and you are going to, boy, oh, boy, get crushed. The pile on that you're going to get is so bad because there are literally people out there begging for you to screw up this way. Can't yeah. wait for you to screw up this way so that they can drag your name through the muck. Mm-hmm. And so much so that there is uh, Ad Age actually has a running list right now on their website of campaigns that have worked and campaigns that have not. And there are as many in the not category <laughs> as there are in the have category. So when we say it's commitment, not a campaign, if you don't believe this to the core of the organization, you can do it for a season but you can't do it for much more than that. And people will buy from you by being manipulated once, Mm -hmm. but not three times and certainly not five. So if you're going to try to take a swing at this in that lane, most people are going to see right through it. They just aren't. And that's that. If you're lucky, they just see right through it. If You're less than lucky. They're going to shame you in the street for what you've done. Yeah. But on the other side, and, and again, I guess I want to look at both sides of it. I, and I think of, of my uh, lovely bride, like she will be, she's almost like, I don't want to tell anybody what I'm doing because I don't want them to feel like I'm trying to ma- manipulate. And on the other side of that, I think it's just, then it's not a campaign. You're just telling the story. You're just like, does that make sense? Or am I wrong on that? No. The other piece that we say about this Kirby is that you have to show your work. And the hardest part about that is it is um, counterintuitive, especially for people our age who maybe were taught by generations prior to us that what you do philanthropically is your own business and you're not supposed to share that with other people. But that's changed now. Right. People want to know what it is that your business stands for, because if you have a shared belief, they will support you. It goes back to I'm making an investment in our shared belief as opposed to I believe that you're an expense. Right. And that investment part is key. But if you don't give someone a trail of breadcrumbs to see that you're authentic about it and that you've been doing it for an extended period of time, you never give that person the opportunity to believe you as a credible and trustworthy uh, person to, to have in your own tribe. Because there's this other piece that's in the book, Kirby, and Colin Kaepernick and the Nike, that whole like it was such a flashpoint. And it was an interesting development that happened, right? Because Nike had been a challenger brand dating back to their early days. Yeah. But they'd be gotten so successful in the post-Jordan era, they didn't need to be controversial anymore. Right. And then they were again. And it forced a lot of us as consumers to have to make a decision about, does Nike's decision align with my personal brand? And if it didn't, people were burning Nikes in the street. They were, but in the book, it talks about the statistics of what the sales increase that Nike realized as a result of making that choice and the decision-making that went behind why they decided that that's what they needed to do. It was a return to their roots. And they also were placing a bet that Gen Z buyers who are an emerging set of sneaker buyers in the marketplace were going to identify with this message in a way that would set Nike apart from the competition. And it worked. It worked. But what it created for us is in this personal branding ideology, there's we, the coffee you drink, 
the car you drive, the clothing you wear, where you live. It's all a part of what you believe about your own personal brand. And younger generations, because of Instagram and paid influencers and things like that, they've grown up curating a brand for themselves, not like we've done. So they are making a conscious filtering decision with every purchase they're making because it's curated in their minds and it needs to be a representation of their personal brand or else I don't care how much money you spend marketing to them. If they don't see your values in alignment with their own, they're just not going to add you. They're just not. So you've got to give somebody a chance, show your work, give them the opportunity to realize that you are walking your talk so that they can make that decision for themselves before they ever even get to you. Yeah. So this is awesome, man. I'm, I'm super excited about, you know, this journey you've sort of been on. And, and uh, like you said, um, I think anybody who's written a book understands sort of the effort, the Herculean effort. And, and then the, you know, because writing the book is sort of half of it. right? Like you're learning right now, right? Like then it's out to promote the book because you want to get the idea out there. So I'm just final, sort of a final question, final thought. I mean, how has this process been for you? Tell me about like writing the book and then this piece of it. How's it going? How's it gone? Stan says writing the book is half the battle. The other 90% is promoting it. (laughs) That's a great statistic. (laughs) And so true, right? So it's almost like having a child and knowing that your relationship is forever, Mm -hmm. right? Like I I tell my kids when they achieve an accomplishment, you know, no matter what happens to you for the rest of your life, no one can take this away from you at this moment. So it's the truth. They're like, that's there. It's a moment in time. It's something that represents a period of my life, but this is a philosophy for us. So in a lot of ways, the book is just a reflection of the philosophy that we're employing with respect to how social good promotions and promo cares to a certain extent are really trying to make people recognize and understand that you can align this way because this is about alignment. But getting other people to also, one, know that this exists And two, that it's something that's worth their time to read and decide for themselves is really where the rubber meets the road. So I'm fortunate. I have a reasonably large uh, group of connections that are uh, passionate about the same things that I'm passionate about. So those all have become my team of people who will advance the message in the marketplace on our behalf. And we're using social media to try to drive that. Um, it's a, it's an interesting piece of the puzzle because on the one hand, you don't want to seem like this shameless self promoter. <laughs> yeah. And we Midwesterners have this even more difficult time sort of getting over ourselves to the point where we want to like, no, this is important work and you really should pay attention to it. It's kind of hard to do that because ego, you know, like I don't have that kind of ego to want to call attention to me. So it's more about like, no, pay attention to what this is about. Not that I wrote it. And by drafting people into that, it doesn't become the cult of personality that it could sort of turn into. If you aren't careful, this is more about I'm preaching from a hymnal. And I believe that there are people who believe 
what the hymnal says, but by getting them to rally around something bigger than themselves, we have a better opportunity to be able to, to push that message out in a meaningful kind of way. But we'll see. We're still in pre-launch. This, this book will just be releasing when uh, this podcast come out. So we'll see how it works. But this part is the fun part. Yeah. Really. The book is not the fun part. It's the what's the reaction? How do people receive what you've said in a meaningful way? And how do they then take what they've internalized from what I've done and push it out into their world? And that's the fun part to watch is to see when it does work. And when people are touched by what it is we've said, how willing are they to then stand up for what it is that they've just been a part of and, and try to attract more people to the cause? Yeah, you um, you kind of touched on it. Uh, it's one of the things you and I talked about separately. Is that this is the time where? Yes, I agree with you. This is fun. Like I, this is the fun part. I mean, the worst case scenario, you and I are having a fun conversation. But on the other side, you do have to get over that voice in your head, right? The the voice that's like, okay, nobody wants to hear from you anymore. And the, the, you know, I think one of the things that I struggled with was that very thing. And then, then um, I was probably a week into sort of the launch when somebody who was in our industry, like comments on content that I create all the time and a weekend was like, I hadn't heard anything about this. And I'm like, okay, that was probably a message I needed to hear Um, because you just got to keep, I mean, the idea is it's about the concept. It's about the purpose. It's about the idea and spreading it. And so I, I, I'm excited about what you've done here. Uh, and, uh, I'm proud of you, man. Thanks, man. You, you've been an inspiration. You know, that's why I was excited for us to have the chance for you and I to have this conversation. All of us have a voice that needs to see the light of day. And years ago, I espoused a philosophy that was full of self-limiting beliefs. Mm. And someone very near and dear to my heart stopped me cold one day and said, when are you going to stop doing that to yourself? Mm. Because you have more to give. And by constantly letting the air out of your own tires, you never get to the place where you can realize whatever it is that you could do with your voice if you would just try. Mm -hmm. And so content being what it is, all of the stuff that I've put out for almost three years now are really just pieces of the book. I didn't know it then, didn't realize that that was what was happening. But by having the confidence to accept someone else's inspiration for me to actually stop letting the air out of my own tires. Yeah we're sitting here having this conversation and it's guys like you who have been ahead of me on this journey. I mean, what are you on book five? Something like that. That like, okay, (laughs) once you get there and you realize, Oh, like this is doable. Mm -hmm. I told Stan, it's like tattoos. Like I'm already interested (laughs) in the next one. (laughs) The curiosity that writing a book awakes in you Mm. is really the true value here because there are a lot of things that could be a story. Not everything is a story, but what you have to be willing to do is to commit to the effort of investigating whether or not there's actually a story there. Yeah. And it's in that process that you learn so much 
that ultimately turns into a book, which to me, all I'm really trying to do is like say, hey, here's what I learned. Maybe that would be of value to you. If it's not, no biggie, I get it. Like if it sucks to you, it sucks to you. Not everybody's going to love it. But if it speaks to you, be inspired to do what the book prescribes, but be inspired to for yourself. How, how are you going to let your voice get out of you in a way that you can look back on it later and go, you know what, right, wrong, or indifferent, I'm proud of the fact that that's what I did. And if I'm able to inspire other people to share their own voice, then that's just icing on the cake to me. Well, and just as a side note, I mean, obviously this is the So You're in Sales podcast, and the reality of it is we've talked a lot about uh, marketing with a purpose. We've talked about the concept of the book, but for those listening to it who are in sales, creating content in any way and creating a book sort of like this on purpose is the ultimate business card. It's the ultimate differentiator in the marketplace too. Um, So um, as you are sort of inspiring people and encouraging people, that's something that it is a, it's more doable now than it's ever been in our history. And so, um, you know, I think obviously inspiring people to create a business with purpose is, is the ultimate mission. But if you can inspire people to sort of take a lead and, and, uh, create that for themselves, then that's a, that's a pretty big win too. So kudos, man. Can't, can't say it any better than that, Kirby. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Well, hey, I appreciate you uh, allowing me to sort of be a part of the So You're in Sales podcast. And uh, man, I'm excited. Good luck. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Kirby is a skilled interviewer and he asks great questions. And on top of the fact that he and I are personal friends, it airs a level of comfortability for me to be able to answer questions like the crazy ones that Kirby was throwing at me. Like, who is the best example of uh, what we read or examined in the book? And, you know, it's really, it's a difficult discussion to have because you don't want to point to the biggest companies in our industry and point to them and say that you need to have these massive resources in order to be able to be successful in adopting a purpose-centered strategy because that is definitely not the case. And so I went out of my way to make sure that we highlighted some of the smaller suppliers in our industry that are doing incredible work as well because I feel like it's important for all of you listening to realize that you don't need to be anything more than a one-person operation in order to be able to adopt a purpose-centered strategy if you so decide to do that. So I hope you found some value in that. If you'd like to buy the book on Amazon, it's Red Goldfish Promo Edition as authored by Stan Phelps and myself, Roger Burnett. You should be able to find that out there on Amazon. And please, if you get an opportunity to read the book, please give me a review on Amazon. The more reviews we're able to get, the better in much the same way as I continue to ask for you to subscribe and share around the So You're in Sales podcast so that we can continue to get the high quality programming that you've come to expect on the show. We will be back in two weeks time with a new guest. Until then, keep selling and I'll talk to you soon.